All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Well, you know, actually not lots to do tonight. One single thing we'll be focused in on tonight. Paul Nolan's going to have news. Rick Amorati's going to have sports. Rick Delgado's here. Gio holding it down still. Fran will be back, I believe, next week. Uh, glad you're in. Live tonight, of course, on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Streaming, of course, on Getter, our new home for streaming, uh, at Real AM Voice. Make sure you follow the Real America's Voice Getter. Make sure you follow us as well, at LFS6B. All the guys have their Getter handles now, all on Getter. Make sure you follow all of us on the show. So, um... If you watched Joe Biden in Atlanta and thought that that speech was a little over the top and that he couldn't possibly do any more damage <laughs> than he did in Atlanta in this, what I call the more, one of the more reprehensible speeches I've ever heard, well, I don't know what you were doing this afternoon, but he told himself, hold my beer, let me at it. Yeah. Here we go. Hold, yeah, right. That's, that's like hold my insure. Right, that's like when he told. <laughs> that's like when he told himself, uh, "Let's go, Brandon." Yeah, <laughs> there is no person with an IQ higher than ten that could watch that today and think that we are being led by any semi-competent or sane human being. He, it is so far over and gone and dangerous that I, I don't even know how to explain it. There was, there was one point when. It- one of the reporters asked him a question and I'm watching the clip and I'm like, he really looked to me like, like, I don't know, one of those robots in Westworld that had a shortage. Like he just went like, he like just froze and just got could, stuck there. Like you could have picked like, almost any time in the press conference, just picked it. If you could have just pulled the video up and went down to the timeline and clicked anywhere. He looked like a robot from Westworld. It was the same shortage. look. Oh like, my goodness. Like the synapses in that brain weren't really making connections. And I'll tell you, it got to the point where you, today was one of those, this is a, it's a weird thing. Today is one of those moments that you watch it and you actually get angry at people in the past, <laughs> like rhinos and never Trumpers who, who had some hand in the disaster of the election to get, make sure that Trump wasn't reelected. You get angry at those people today watching it. It's like you, you helped ha- this happen. Yeah. You, you've aided and abetted this crime. Exactly right. Yeah. Not a joke. Not a joke. A total, (laughs) utter disaster. Not hyperbole either. Not hyperbole. No. Joey Baby. 81 million people voted. (laughs) I mean, just, I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I don't want to replay the whole thing, but we're going to play a lot of it (laughs) because the Q&A is just, I mean, there are points that I literally was home prepping to come in today, screaming at the TV. Parts I was laughing, parts I was screaming. <laughs> I mean, just you go through the roller coaster of, but you end in the same place, which is this guy is a total effing moron. I, I could picture you not only yelling at your TV, but then continue yelling as you go outside to check the mail, maybe bring the garbage can in, you know, do stuff like that while you're still yelling about Joe Biden outside. I mean, I don't have him pulled up in <laughs> yeah, front right. of me. I, I, I'm turning into Joe Biden as I, I, as I putter around muttering, let's go Brandon. Let's go Brandon. You know, like it's just the shock to our system here. This is, it, it's truly fun. I can't wait to see, I really hope you have the clip 
There's one clip in particular today that was let's, just so Let's go question one, G, because I think he gets to a lot of what's at the table for the rest of it in question one. So start from just the question and answers, because that was the majority of it. This opening 14 minutes was, let's get to the question. Start from question one, and then we're going to obviously try to do our best there, starting and stop. Go ahead. Questions. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. I know some of my colleagues will get into some specific issues, but I wanted to zoom out on your first year in office. Inflation is up. Uh, your signature domestic legislation is stalled in Congress. In a few hours from now, the Senate, uh, an effort in the Senate to deal with voting rights and voting, uh, voting reform legislation so is going funny. to fail. COVID-19 is still taking the lives of 1,500 Americans every day. And the nation's divisions are just as raw as they were a year ago. Did you overpromise to the American public what you could achieve in your first year in office? And how do you plan to course correct going forward? Why are you such an optimist? No, yeah, you're Look, I didn't overpromise. And what I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. Uh, okay, just the fact wait, 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 wait. that. And G's by himself trying to start and stop this, so I know it's not the easiest thing to do. But can we just stop it right there? I mean, first of all, this look on his face when he gets asked questions that he starts to laugh or smile like he doesn't take them seriously. It's very off-putting right away. It's like, what, what, what is... Like, he just thinks these inferior people here yep. are at, are to my, you know, IQ level and me. It's like uh, when he's with uh, Justice Tom, uh, Thomas and those old uh, hearings of his, you know, me and you know what we're talking about, Judge. Nobody else here, because I'm so smart. But this, this, this look of, like, he just laughs off these questions as if they're like, how dare you ask me something like that? Like, come on, man. Like, that's what he's thinking. I, I may have over-delivered in the first year. I know they shot him full of whatever they had to keep him upright, but I think they maybe overdid it. Is he delusional? No, I, th I think he's actually uh, done better than most people thought he would. Most so people, you were expecting rock thought, bottom? Most people thought he'd have been gone by now. <laughs> right, you like, know, he survived. So being alive and breathing is yeah, doing so better is what pulse, you're saying? Right. A heartbeat. Yeah. Posted at the podium, mm -hmm. at blinking. Right. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know? I think it's a little more serious than that. And honestly, I, I, I think... Um, I think he probably actually believes that. I think he actually believes it. Again, the media is no help because the media's questioning today was maybe a C plus. No questions about the border. Zero questions about the border. Zero. More questions about Ukraine border than our own border. And, you know, he gets a pass from most in the media on this kind of an attitude and these kind of answers. Trump wouldn't get that. If Trump said something that outrageously stupid, it would, it would lead every newscast for the next week. I over, I've probably over-delivered. <laughs> Go ahead, G. But, uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that not long ago. It's coming down. Everything's changing. It's getting better. Look, um, I didn't overpromise. It's not, stop but, for a second. Uh, it's, I it's think not, if you take... It's not getting better. And if it is getting better, why are you enforcing more mandates? Why are you coming down with a heavier iron fist of totalitarianism? More people have died under him in a year than the former president, in which he said anyone who oversees 200,000, whatever the number was, deaths, 
should never be president. But yet he's not asked about that statement today. At least that I saw, I didn't see every second of this. I don't believe he was asked that. To follow up on his own statement of that, he's done not, again, he's done nothing to kick the can down the road. He took what was handed to him and he screwed it up. And they don't know what to do to get it on, because they can't get it under control. That's the bottom line. We're gonna send out, we're gonna spend all this money and send out these masks when we've already peaked and are probably on our way down in cases. But we're going to send all these N95s now magically, and then we've decided now, two years later, maybe these are better. Story in Reuters today that Paul tells me about. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe national, national um, natural immunity is, um, is stacking up to be maybe a little better. It's all, coming, it's all coming around. But here he is today. Boosters, boosters, get your boosters, boosters. Go ahead. Take a look at what we've been able to do. Uh, you'd have to acknowledge we made enormous progress. But one of the things that I think is something that, uh, one thing I haven't been able to do so far, is get my Republican friends to yeah, get uh, in the game of making things better in this ah, country. Get in the game. For example, I was reading the other day, and I, had, I wrote the Pop quote down, book. so I don't <laughs> misquote him. A quote from Senator Sununu, when he decided that he wasn't going, excuse me, Governor Sununu, when he decided he wasn't going to run for the Senate in New Hampshire. Here's what he said. They were all, for the most, quote, they were all, for the most part, content with the speed at which they weren't doing anything. It was very clear that we just had to hold the line for two years. Okay, so I'm just going to be a roadblock for the next two years? That's not what I do, Sununu said. He went on to say it bothered me that they were okay with that. Read. Then he was on to say, I said, okay, so we're not going to get stuff done if we win the White House back, if we win the White House back. Why didn't we do anything in 2017 and 2018? And then he said, how the Republican Sununu spoke to answer the challenge? He said, crickets, yeah, crickets. They had no answer. I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. Think about this. What are Republicans for? What are they for? Okay, name me it, one Chief. thing oh. they're for. Oh, okay. I, I could name a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're for arresting criminals. Mm -hmm. They're for keeping them in jail. They're for a border that's actually secure. Oh, how about those three? How about a strong military? Liberty. How about individual Ooh. liberty? Ooh. Ooh. How about the simple principle, you teach a man to fish, right? Yeah. How, I mean, how about energy independence? How, how about, about voter ID? Right. There's five or six right here I gotta, on the show. I got to show COVID ID on my Excelsior pass but I, to get into, like, a ball game, but I don't need ID to vote. Where's the logic there? How about uh, getting Americans out of Afghanistan? Oh, ooh. there's another thing we're all for. How about that? How about not lying to us constantly? We're, another, we're for that, too. How about lowering taxes? Ooh. You know what? Can I? Uh, I don't know how you seem like you're in very serious mode right now, but when I was in high school, my buddies would read like out loud, and you remember you're forced to read, and you're like, oh my God, I got to read. <laughs> my favorite thing to do would be like, let's start laughing under my breath and be like, that's how you read? Oh my God, you're so dumb. Did you hear how dumb he, and you know, all you do is he turns red. He read so poorly. That was, that was like, a, that was honestly like, 
That was so unbearable to listen yeah. to. He, his, no, he, you're right. And by the way, he did it all day. And when he ran out of notes is when it got yeah. off the rails. Yeah. When he ran out of notes is when this got completely off the rails on most questions. And, of course, it was uh, pre-selected questions. He knew the questions going in because you saw him looking down at his notes. You know, I, I mean, if, are we supposed to believe this guy actually has a handle on his own life? Can I get one shot at a press conference so if he reads out loud, I could just start doing it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what you read, man. <laughs> you stink at reading. I would just love to troll him once, get kicked out, and never come back. I mean, even that question, what are Republicans for? I mean, who I mean, who tells them that that's a good thing to go with? Like, that, that's, and he kept going back to it. What are Republicans for? Clown. I never expected the Republicans would make it so Joe Biden doesn't get anything done. Like, who's giving him these lines? Like, that this is the way to go. Who's I, prepping these notes for him? I think he was so emboldened. He went off, off script. It was so bad. You know, the old, the old uh, cleanup on aisle um, White House? That, uh, Saki had to put out a statement <laughs> afterwards. That's how bad it was. I, I heard Dana, Dana Perino said, if I were Jen Saki right now, I would fake a heart attack. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's like that old man, I picked the wrong week to stop drinking. That's what she's got to be thinking. All right, a lot more of this live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Wednesday night. We'll get back to uh, Joe Small Incursion Biden's press conference here in a little bit. Uh, but right now, it's time to do some sports. And here with that is Slick Rick Emirati at Slick Rick Sports on Getter and on Twitter. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, as a sports guy, I've been asked to ask you a question from one of our Real America's Ooh, Voice chat okay, people. Okay, I like this. Supply worker who watches all the way from Ottawa every night, and he's in the chat. Great follower of the show. Okay. And he had asked me if your son won his basketball game last night. No. He did not. <laughs> no. They lost. They lost. We got a score? To maybe the worst team um, in the league who they just played a week ago and won by 40. Wow. wow. Went to their place and lost by two because of pure, utter incompetence. <laughs> I'm cooking. Bart. And I'm not. Was, uh, I'm not, was, was Biden I'm just, coaching? I'm not kidding. Biden is not the coach. <laughs> Biden is not the coach. But Kamala Harris is. <laughs> if he was. He could not have done any worse. Let me just leave it at that. All right. Wow. Well, thanks for that update, Big D. So a loss <laughs> for last night. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Yahoo Sports, Chris Seawick, this broke about a little over an hour ago. NBC Sports will not send broadcasters to Beijing Olympics due to COVID-19 concerns. NBC Sports is pulling back its Beijing Olympics. By the way, let me just say thank you to that uh, viewer for the question. Supply worker. Yep. Thank you very much. People. Thank you very much. Uh, NBC Sports is pulling back its Beijing Olympics broadcasting teams due to concerns over COVID-19, according to Christine Brennan of USA Today. NBC Sports Senior VP of Communications Greg Hughes confirmed the news today, telling USA Today broadcasters will announce the games at a facility in Connecticut. The announced uh, teams for these Olympics, uh, including figure skating, will be calling events from our Stanford, Connecticut facility due to the COVID-19 concerns. We, still have a, we will still have a large presence on the ground in Beijing, and our coverage of everything will be first rate as usual, 
but our plans are evolving by the day as they are for most media companies covering the Olympics. So that's you know pretty big news. Um, athletes and media traveling to Beijing for the Olympics could face weeks of quarantine if they test positive for the virus. So I wonder if some of those announcement, announcer talents said they didn't want to go to Beijing as well. So I'm sure that was quite a debate, but uh, very interesting not to have live announcers at the uh, actual Olympics. Why don't they send uh, Tremoth there uh, from the uh, Golden State Warriors to go to China and uh, maybe he could do the announcing. Well, don't worry. We got He's, good old polyopatia in the a little bit yeah, later in sports. Certainly, he won't have any problem with all the, everything else going on over there. So that's right. Uh, well, let's go to Melbourne, Australia. Australian Open Day Three. Naomi, Naomi Osaka, Ash Barty, and Rafael Nadal surge into Round Three. Liz Rocha of Yahoo Sports reporting: Day Three of the Australian Open is in the books, and it saw nearly all the top-seeded players make it past their competitors to land in Round Three. Ashley Barty got one step closer to winning her homeland's greatest tennis title earlier today, easily handling qualifier Lucia. Bonzetti, 6-1, 6-1 in a match that lasted all of 52 minutes. Rafael Nadal also had no trouble dispatching Yannick Hanfman uh, in straight sets, winning 6-2, 6-3, 6-4. Um, and Naomi Osaka handled her opponent, Madison Brengel, in straight sets. But it wasn't entirely straightforward. She cruised in her first set, winning 6-0. But Brengel came back strong in the second set and put up a fight, matching Osaka game for game until close to the end. Best of all for Osaka, who struggled with the mental uh, issues uh, last year, she seems to be really enjoying enjoying herself at the game. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the Australian Open. I know it's not too popular with Novak gone, and I have a report later about a little fight that took place at the Australian Open. Uh, but I'll get to that a little bit later, and I won't disappoint you. We'll have something on Polyapatia and Uyghurs uh, coming up in the next sports segment, Big D. Back yeah, to you. I saw he put out a um, weak, yeah. weak clarification on what he thought. Just weak. Yep. I'm surprised he even did that. He's so arrogant. Uh, that's a good point. And he yeah. he tried to put I don't I don't know what he tried to do with it. It's I, I don't know that it made it maybe made it worse. Yeah. Quite frankly. But all right, let's do some news. And here with that's Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Here's from the uh, the New York Post today. Uh, Prince Andrew's ex says Clinton and Epstein were like brothers. Uh, one of Prince Andrew's well connected ex girlfriends has claimed that the former president, Bill Clinton, and pedophile Jeffrey Epstein was so close, they were like brothers. Clinton was definitely very close to Jeffrey. Lady Victoria Harvey, uh, 45 years old, said in a new uh, ITV documentary, Ghislaine, Prince Andrew, and the Pedophile, which aired in the UK Tuesday night. The socialite said she got to see the powerful group up close as the longtime pal of Epstein's madam, Ghislaine Maxwell, who was first introduced to Andrew, um, the um, Hervey and the Royal briefly dated in 1999, so she was up there first uh, hand, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching this uh, this documentary. So I think it's uh, something everybody should be looking for. Um, there's just so much smoke here, and, we'll, and just concern that we'll never hear, you know, that we'll never get to the bottom of it. In my opinion, mm -hmm. when, she, when she gets uh, run off or dies or whatever happens. I don't know, these people, it's just, I don't know, just so frustrating to watch how, how much power blackmail has in, in the global politics and, and, and corporate, you know, business. It's, cr it's crushing. It's just crushing to me, these kids who are never going to get justice. Sorry to be so negative, but um, frustrating story for me. Um, you know, I've been following that forever. So uh, prior to COVID uh, infection. Uh, what's, more, the what's the most frustrating part? For me, the most frustrating part is it goes to the highest level of all levels of government, royalty. It goes to the highest level of corporate 
business. And these people, once they, you know, they get these people to come over. I mean, think about it. I mean, we know Robert Maxwell was, without a doubt, a Mossad agent. We know there's, there's records proving that he was part of, you know, the intelligence community in Israel and in Britain, where he was a media mogul, right? There's, there's no denying that. Anybody who's done their homework on it knows it. And then they pass this on to this little-known guy named Epstein who could barely get out of school. Next thing you know, he's got untold billions of dollars from the Wexlers and, and socialites everywhere and royalty, and he's managing money, but he has no idea what he's doing. He's flying around everywhere, and he's connected to everybody. And once somebody gets a video of somebody doing, for example, let's say a politician or a newscaster or somebody comes over to be compromised, and they, they tell them, oh, it's a 24-year-old girl. It's a 22-year-old girl. And then when they're done fooling around and the video is there, they say, oh, by the way, you sicko. Or the girl says, you know, I'm 15. That video now is currency to get that person to play ball for the rest of their life. And I, that, what bothers me is so much horrifying policy, so many horrifyingly bad judges you know, on the Supreme Court and around top courts around the world. And the thing that really bothers me most is once a politician gets to that highest level of government, they never leave. They're never gone. And once they're in and they're owned, they constantly just erode liberty day after day after day like you know like a like like water running over a mountainside it just slowly erodes and erodes and erodes and one day you look down and there's nothing left so in a nutshell i think it has way more influence over the entire global economic system than uh than most people do and i and, and it's horrifying to me and going back to what i asked the two of you a long time ago do you think that she should have if she had bills to, if she had beans to spill, should she have done it before getting found guilty? Hmm, Rick, I mean, uh, you know what? I, I still they they just pushed back her sentencing. It was supposed to happen in January. Now it's happening in June. What does that tell you? I don't know. It tells you that tells uh, me it got pushed back. Excuse me. Yeah, like if you if you try not to like think about he statements just saying it tells you. It got How could it tell back. you anything? I don't know. I mean, that's what do you mean? No, she was supposed to be sentenced in January. Yeah. They pushed it back now to June. Yeah, and you said, what does that tell you? Why I, does that, what does that do? What does I, that tell you? We're not sure because we're not seeing what the ramifications are. We're seeing Prince Andrew getting, uh, getting hung out to dry. Yeah, he seems to be a sacrificial lamb. Who else, who else are they going to hang out to dry? We're not sure yet. We still haven't seen, well, we saw that we talked about those wow. uh, eight John Does that now might be exposed, that, that, that they're not going to be protected. The names aren't going to be protected anymore. We'll see what names those peop- uh, of those people they are. You know, I, I think this thing is just a <laughs> done. That's what I, I'm afraid that's what's nice happening. Nice job. Yeah. That's, that's the scary From part. the professionals, and that's it. And yeah, I mean, unfortunately, and I think it has, you know, it holds the key to so much to destroy so many levels of corruption from, you know, the alphabet gangs of the CIA and the, with all due, it's a heartbreak to say the FBI and MK ultra. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's just all, it's just, to me, it's, it's just a brutal, sad state of affairs. All right. Live from studio six B on a Wednesday. We'll get back to the presser. When we get back.
are live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday, on a night where the President of the United States was stammering and stumbling and um, did a press conference, first one he's done in a while, and of course we know why. And he was on full display why we probably won't see another one. Pre-designed questions, pre-selected people, and still total disaster. The substance of which was just... I mean, just besides the substance, the, the idea that the president of the United States was standing out in front of the cameras at a podium talking about Ukraine, Russia, and openly speculating about U.S. strategic um, moves or, or calculations or how we would approach. I mean, it was just, was unbelievable. I mean... I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you watch that and not fear for the country. I'm being serious, too. I'm not overstating it. I mean, it's just scary to think that this guy green-lighted. Well, let's get to the question. This is, what's, this is what made the most news today. Question three of the press conference, I believe it was. G, roll it. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Um, your top foreign policy advisors have warned that Russia is now ready to attack Ukraine, but there's still little unity among European allies about what a package of sanctions against Moscow would look like. If the U.S. and NATO aren't willing to put troops on the line to defend Ukraine and American allies can't agree on a sanctions package, hasn't the U.S. and the West lost nearly all of its leverage over Vladimir Putin? And uh, given how ineffective sanctions have been in deterring Putin in the past, why should the threat of new sanctions give him pause? Well, because he's never seen sanctions like the ones I promised will be imposed if he moves, number one. Number two, we're in a situation where uh, Vladimir Putin uh, is about to, uh, we've had very frank discussions, uh, Vladimir Putin and I, and uh, the idea that NATO is not going to be united, I don't buy. I've spoken to every major NATO leader. We've had the NATO-Russian summit. We've had other, the OSCE has met, et cetera. And so I think what you're going to see is that it, Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to okay, be a so disaster just, so just, for Russia. Just stop it one second. <laughs> There's a lot of things about this press conference that people will forget. He's probably forgotten most of it already, but that will not be one of them. A president of the United States stating, well, let's just wait and have to see what Russia does. If it's a small incursion, wow. well, 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 what, what? If it's a small, what is that, what? Did you, that's almost sounds like, a, that almost sounds like a, um, Almost like a green light, like a, like you're willing to play this game. Like, what does that mean? He's the leader of the free damn world. Rewind that just a little bit, G, so we can just hear it one more time. Just click back just a little bit if you can. Right there, that's fine, wherever. Just pick a spot. Go ahead, play it. Why should the threat of new sanctions give him pause? Well, because he's never seen sanctions like the ones I promised will be imposed if he moves, number one. Number two, we're in a situation where uh, Vladimir Putin uh, is about to, uh, we've had very frank discussions, uh, Vladimir Putin and I, 
And uh, if there's such a thing, the idea that NATO is not going to be united, I don't buy. I've spoken to every major NATO leader. We've had the NATO Russian summit. We've had other, the OSCE has met, et cetera. And so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further invade Ukraine and that our allies and partners are ready to impose severe cost and significant harm on Russia and the Russian economy. Okay, pause it and, right there, you know, we're gonna Just pause it right there. Get out of this. Put me back on. Go back to the other things. So I want to put up now the statement that uh, Jen Psaki had to end up putting out after this disaster. She says, President Biden has been clear with the Russian president. If any Russian military forces move across the Ukraine border, that's a renewed invasion, and it will be met with a swift, severe, and united response from the United States and our allies. President Biden also knows from long experience that the Russians have an extensive playbook of aggression short of military action, including cyber attacks and paramilitary tactics. And he affirmed today that those acts of Russia, Russian aggression will be met with a decisive, reciprocal, and united response. Well, no, first, no, he didn't affirm that today <laughs> at all. I heard. What he gave is almost a green light today. Yeah, take a little bit, get your beak wet, quid pro quo, and we'll take something back. Right. Uh, when you've lost CNN to the degree that he lost them today, go 13, G. Here was the reaction to that statement of Biden's that if it's a small incursion, roll that. Were Biden's remarks interpreted there as a less than wholehearted warning to Putin to not invade? Uh, well, I mean, that's that's uh, an understatement. I mean, they they watch those remarks, I think, I think with horror. Uh, one uh, Ukrainian official who I've been in close contact with while this marathon press conference is underway said that he was, you know, I'm quoting here, shocked uh, that President Biden would give a green light to Vladimir Putin in this way, um, that the US president would distinguish between an incursion and an invasion, and then suggest that a minor incursion would, would, would elicit you know, a lesser response than a more, a more full invasion. The big concern, of course, which is what he was alluding to, is that it gives Putin, and this is another quote from me, it said it gives the green light to Putin to enter Ukraine at his pleasure. And that's not just one Ukrainian official. Other Ukrainian officials have responded in a similar way. Kiev, in the words of another, uh, is stunned by what President Biden had to say. And the reason for that is twofold. First of all, a minor incursion is perhaps the preferred option of, of Vladimir Putin. There's been a lot of talk in military circles about a land corridor being seized in the east of Ukraine by Russian forces, where there are tens of thousands of troops gathered, of course, in order to connect the, the war zone, the rebel-occupied war zone, and the Crimean Peninsula, which has already been uh, annexed uh, by Russia. So, so that's the kind of incursion that would, you know, perhaps be the number one option for Vladimir Putin. If yeah. I mean, it's really an unbelievable, we can go back to the press, G when you get it. It's an unbelievable statement. We have to wait and see what they do first. 
If it's a minor incursion, well, then maybe yeah, we'll just... Yeah, let's fight guns. It's like Monty Python. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. We'll fight about what to do. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This guy's... I... This is the guy who tells us about all his experience around the world with all these leaders, and then he makes that statement. He has no idea who he's dealing with. We, we've said this since January 20th of last year. Our real enemies around China, Russia, Iran are just laughing, high-fiving each other that they have to deal with this moron now in this administration. From the Secretary of State to the Secretary of Defense and to him. Well, Absolutely crazy. I think he's less of a moron, more of a matador. At this point, he's just saying, yeah, yeah go ahead. Woo, go yeah. right well after you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's all he's doing. He doesn't do anything about China. He doesn't do anything about North Korea. He's not going to do anything about Russia. He's not. And, you know, again, these are the things that we saw were a big issue during the Obama years. They disappeared for four years. And now they're, they come screaming back. Are they, are they really a problem or is this something that they want to happen? I don't know. It just seems like Democrats love dictators, love getting in bed with them, love letting them do what they want to do. Hey, you want to, yeah, it depends. It's an incursion. It's an invasion. Eh, it could be this. It could be that. Depends on how you define it. They're going to play, they're going to play, uh, they're going to play word games. With Me meanwhile, right now, can you imagine how the Russian nationalists and the populists there are just, just, just raising their fists and let's get all frothed up with, you know, Putin harking back to the days of Russia's superpowered, you know, glory and, and then seeing like this feeble, feeble, pathetic man making such a statement and the people of Kiev and you know, this, this, the, the utter terror, like this is, he's just such a disaster and it just falls right into the whole the historic, you know, Democrats always weak and pathetic on foreign policy and every world leader just full court press on everything weaker at their perimeter. It's Senator a, Ted Cruz was joke. asked about this statement. He said, president Biden's <sighs> answers on Ukraine were incoherent and catastrophic. He said there's a disunity among our allies, but then threatened Putin with crushing action that our allies have already said they'll never agree to. Most worrisome, he defined down what counts as an invasion and called into question whether we'd forcefully respond, which will be read in far too many places as green lighting an invasion. Throughout his remarks, he downplayed the extent of the West's commitment to our Ukrainian allies. Congress must demand and pass immediate sanctions on Nord Stream 2, which is the only action that has a chance of changing Putin's decision calculus at this point. Mm. I mean, to think back to the Reagan administration and the tact he took of arming our allies at the time, strength through, I mean, just, and then to think of this statement by this guy today, this old, feeble, senile, um, president who it, it depends what they do we have to wait and see if it's a small incursion well then we have to what do you remember brownie bow says on uh on getter um says uh do you remember when all that talk of trump was going to start world war three and look at what we got here i mean we're seeing so much we're seeing so much saber rattling at every level 
By the way, speaking of things that came up under Trump, where is the talk of the 25th Amendment this afternoon and tonight, by the way? I mean, he might be literally mentally incapable of carrying out his duties. I mean, I don't, I mean, does, would anybody feel comfortable? God forbid we were to get into any kind of conflict like this. Did he was, did he, um, Putin decide to call his bluff here? Would anyone feel comfortable that this guy has any clue in the people around him, the generals, his leaders, the secretary of defense? The, or the person I mean, I know our military, I mean, I don't know. Or the person who's really calling the shots. We don't even know who that is. As far as, as, far as we know, this guy is the butler. All right? He walks around, he opens a few doors, and uh, that's who you see. But... Uh, Who's really making the decisions? Because obviously from, from his mashed potato style brains, um, the dribble that was coming out of his mouth today, he doesn't know what he's saying. He's saying one thing. He, he doesn't know if it's an incursion or invasion. Well, who, it, what's the difference? So who's the, what's your answer to your own question of who's, who's making the real decisions? It, it's probably and what does it matter who it is? It, it's a, probably a conglomerate of people that have, um, you know, agendas that don't align with the good of this country. It's obvious, but you, you can see what they're Just doing. Just call it what it call it what it is. It's the neocon globalists. Yeah, yep. that's what it is. It's the Clintons. The Clintons adopted Absolutely. the Bush regime. The ship was an extension. All right, more from the presser live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday. Sports and news coming up. to the hour live from studio 6b on a wednesday night we'll get back to the biden presser today in a little bit but right now let's do a little sports and here with that is slick rick rick amirati what's going on pal all right d back to this story espn avoids on-air coverage of golden state warrior owners uber comments other networks also ignore MSN, of course LSD, they do nbc yeah unbelievable ESPN has largely turned blind eye to the growing controversy plaguing the Golden State Warriors over one of its owners' callous remarks about the imprisoned Uyghurs Muslims in China. The Disney-owned network has not drawn any attention to Warriors' part owner, Chamath Palihapitiya, who went viral on Monday when he claimed that nobody cares, and we know we've gone through that for a while, but the, let's be honest, nobody cares comments. Uh, the Warriors attempted to distance themselves from Palihapitiya, issuing a vague statement. Palihapitiya also issued a statement hoping to, quote, clarify his remarks admitting what he said on the podcast came across as lacking empathy. Uh, as a refugee, my family fled a country with its own set of human rights issues, so this is something that is very much a part of my lived experience, quote-unquote. Polly Apatia wrote, to be clear, my belief is that human rights matter, whether in China, the United States, or elsewhere. Full stop, end quote. So, uh, what the hell does yeah. that mean, full stop? Like, I, I oh, you said full stop, so <laughs> full now stop. we all got it. Yeah. Enough. Let's oh, okay. cancel this. Full stop. We know now we know the full extent of how he feels. He said full stop. Yep. But absolutely, You're an idiot. Full stop. How about that? Absolutely no coverage though. Unbe unbelievable. But, but that doesn't I mean does I, that surprise anybody? Uh, that ESPN's not going to talk about this? Yep, ESPN. 
Uh, and NHL reschedules games season set to end on time April 29th. The NHL earlier today revealed new dates for 98 games postponed for cor coronavirus-related uh, issues. This is an AP report. The changes include moving 23 other games around and 95 games filling the February 7th to 22nd gap that previously was scheduled for the Olympic break. Finishing the regular season before the end of April keeps the league on track to begin the playoffs in early May and award the Stanley Cup before July 1st. I remember when the Stanley Cup used to get re awarded by the middle of May, how that's changed. But uh, without the Olympics, they were able to make up for that. I know Paul has a vested interest because he goes to a lot of the Islander games in, uh, on Long Island. Uh, but a total of 104 games have been postponed this season, including dozens because of attendance restrictions in Canada. The league and players on Tuesday agreed to stop testing asymptomatic vaccinated players. It was a story we broke last night. Coaches and staff after the All-Star game in early February citing a continued decline of case numbers. So, Paul, hockey's on schedule unless there's uh, another variant that uh, disturbs our season. Hey, yeah, I've right. got a um, – Teresa sent in maybe the best um, encapsulation of today's Joe Biden performance or overperformance as she calls it. She says Joe's overperformance is much like a drunk guy that accidentally boinks the couch cushions while being intimate with a woman, then tells all his buddies the next day that he scored big while pleasing his woman the night before. <laughs> wow. That's good. That was I good, love that. I didn't know we worked blue on this show. There you go. So. <laughs> good stuff. All right, Big D. Well, y'all going to let you take that back. That's a rapid sports. Back to news. <laughs> all right, very good. We're getting some other uh, good responses from the audience on Joe. Just, I mean... Really, what can what I mean? Really, what can you say? Just a total, utter disaster. So you know, from uh, I don't know if you, from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, sometimes I find the way they write so amusing. So, this is the the headline: Fauci warns there are five stages in a pandemic, and we are still in the first stage. Fauci is living his best life because the COVID pandemic of uh, of the of excuse me, I'm so sorry, uh, of the COVID pandemic. So he never wants it to end. Fauci is worth more than $10 million and he's being paraded around like a celebrity. So it's his bet in his best interest to keep the COVID going for as long as possible. Dr. Fauci this week joined the opening day of Klaus Schwab's Davos agenda, where he trashed the first amendment and whined about COVID disinformation being spread. He said one thing the, the entire world is facing, but we certainly are facing it in a very, very disconcerting way is the United States is the amount of disinformation that is accompanying what should be a problem that everyone pulls together against a common enemy, which is the virus. We have disinformation that's entirely destructive to a comprehensive public health endeavor. So um, I needed to play that again with people who didn't see the clip last night. This guy's so full of it. It's just enough to make you want to scream. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, by the way, to, to his point, what we're seeing is really just the opposite of what he's talking about. What we're seeing now is we're seeing the mainstream media catch up with where a lot of us have been for two years on certain subjects about this pandemic. Whether it's CNN admitting that um, we, have a, we have a morbidly obese problem in this country and that, that, that factors into being one of the comorbidities to the... Now the studies you're seeing on cloth masks, now all of a sudden it's a big N95 push. Uh, you're seeing uh, our own Heather Mullins had an interview with Dr. Paul Merrick. He was in, I believe, New Hampshire. As New Hampshire, I believe, today was voting on making ivermectin an over-the-counter or the, the, I don't know the, exactly the story, but I saw it quickly. 
about making it available to all the citizens. Um, you're seeing other talking points that you've heard from Dr. Corey and other the great doctors who have been talking about early action, early treatment, early protocols, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone. We've highlighted many of them on this show. Yeah, we, so we, we've seen the SMEA campaign, right? We've seen anybody, you know, top epidemiologists uh, from Stanford, you know, Oxford, you know, Harvard, Yale. They're all part of a SMEA campaign. And we've got the documents of, in the emails of, 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 of Fauci saying that we got to keep everybody's mouth shut who disagrees with us. It's, you know, it, it's funny. But, you know, I don't know if you saw this in England. Uh, they called, uh, they end all COVID passport mask mandates and work restrictions today. Um, this is from uh, Tyler Durden in um, Zero Hedge. Restrictions including COVID-19 passes, mask mandates, and work-from-home requirements will be removed in England. Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced on Wednesday. Johnson also suggested that the self-isolation rules may also be thrown at the end of the, at the end of March, as the Chinese communist virus pandemic uh, becomes endemic. Effectively, Im immediately. Uh, the U.K. government is no longer asking people to work from home. The COVID pass mandate for nightclubs and large events won't be renewed when it expires on January 26th. And from Thursday, indoor mask wearing will no longer be compulsory everywhere in England. Cut seven, G. Roll it. We can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. Yeah. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Yeah. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. Yeah. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow, from tomorrow we will no longer require face masks in classrooms and the department and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet. But we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes. And my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, will set out plans in the coming days. Yeah. Mr Speaker, as we return to Plan A, the House will know that some measures still remain, including those on self-isolation. There you go. We'll get to that point probably if it's up to Fauci by... 2030. <laughs> All right, hour two coming up. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday.
All right, hour two, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday, January 19th. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to have some more news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have sports. Chio holding it down, as always. Glad you're a part of the show on a Wednesday night. Getting some good responses. People, obviously, good friend of Paul and I wrote us today saying, you know, it's interesting they put this press conference at 4 o'clock. East Coast people just traveling home from work. West Coast. One o'clock, probably out at lunch. Nobody's watching. And you compare that to President Trump, who obviously would, although today's press conference in the end actually was the, one of the, I think the longest one that a president has done. If you remove all his ums and uhs and pauses, it was really only nine minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But uh, yeah, he took, uh, well, certainly he took more questions today than anyone on his team wanted him to. Because as soon as he ran out of, out of notes to read, not that it wasn't downhill anyways, but it just it just careamed off a cliff. His reading was like me on that last story, so I hate to bring it. Sorry about that. My, my page glitched out, and um, I felt like Biden right there. But it really was um, unbelievable. Let's A couple more reactions that I think are, well, not surprising, but other than maybe who they're from. Let's just go cut one, G. Roll that. I'm not sure that his staff is exactly excited about all the news he made. Uh, no, there's a lot to clean up. Come back to that in a second, especially <laughs> the Russia-Ukraine stuff on the global stage. Sure. Uh, and, and look, one of Joe Biden's trademark and often his friends, often his friend is his stubbornness and his fight uh, to stay at it. So there are questions about his staff and there are questions about will you do a press conference. If he wanted to prove he'd stand there for two hours and take it. Mission accomplished. Uh, to the idea that at the one-year mark, when you're struggling, when almost every political metric says you are struggling, does he walk out of there thinking he's in better standing? It'd be fascinating to see how it's interpreted around the country. Uh, the White House wanted him talking less about Washington and more about America. He spent a lot of time talking about Washington. Yeah, he spent a lot of time um, telling Russia to go ahead and invade Ukraine and telling everybody that our, the elections are uh, not legitimate, which is...